TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 593, and this is Libya, your host, and we have returning guests. Hi, this is Yusun, costume designer and TV enthusiast from Los Angeles. And this is Tom. I chair the Department of Visual and Media Arts at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida and host the Screen Tom podcast on iTunes and Spotify. All right, Tom, hit us with the news. What do you got? Lots of news. First off, most shows are trickling back into production, some this this year but most are going to restart in spring so it's going to be a truncated spring season instead of a fall season abc has canceled the rookie feds they had to wait all that time to find out you're not coming back shame on abc for making them wait amazon has ordered another bosch spinoff about lapd cold case division with detective renee ballard taking the lead apple tv plus has announced a new original peanuts film with the characters heading to the big city Steve Martino, who directed the Pe- the Peanuts movie, will direct. Carrie Kirkpatrick, uh, noted animation writer, is going to co-write with Craig Schultz and others who worked on the last Peanuts movie. Uh, BBC is producing Douglas's Cancelled, a dramedy from Stephen Moffat, starring Karen Gillan and Hugh Bonneville, which sounds fun. Hopefully they'll announce a U.S. outlet soon. CBS has announced Young Sheldon will end with the upcoming season seven. What is he, uh, like 2,000 years old now? Well, no, he turns 14 in Showtime this year. But he's like being... 17 or 18 now, right? Like, I feel like yeah, the actors they, they old. played fast and loose with the actors' ages and the characters' ages. But when when the kids, when the younger kids went through puberty, that kind of wreaked havoc with that. Uh, CW has pulled the Canadian sitcom Run the Burbs and the British sitcom Everyone Else Burns from their Thursday night lineup. So, uh, so much for their their uh, programming strategy of licensing stuff from other countries and whatnot. Disney Plus has topped 150 million subscribers, and they will start beta testing a merged app with Hulu, uh, which will launch in December, and the final version of the app will launch in spring. Fox has announced that 911 Lone Star Season 5 has been pushed till fall of 24. FX has picked up the bear for Season 3, to no one's surprise. Freeform canceled Praise PD, never heard of it. Hallmark canceled Ride, a rodeo drama. HBO, specifically Nicole Kidman, has said that Big Little Lies Season 3 is a go. Uh, Max has picked up Harley Quinn for Season 5. Hulu has renewed Futurama for two more seasons. So for those who are counting, that brings it to 13 and 14. And this is its third go-round at life. Uh, Lots of news from NBC. Law & Order 1. Jeffrey Donovan is not returning for Season 23. Law and Order Organized Crime, Season 4, will introduce Stabler's brothers, Randall and Joe Jr. Kara Kilmer will exit Chicago Fire during the upcoming Season 12. Chicago Med Season 9 is adding a new 30-something emergency department doctor with ties to Oliver Platt's character, Dr. Charles. Netflix canceled Shadow and Bone and its spinoff, Six, and Six of Crows, Glamorous, Agent Elvis, Farzar, and Captain Falls. The they Shadow and up- Bone cancellation was kind of a big deal. And big surprise. Um, Why would they do that? Because the ratings aren't there, probably. Oh. Uh, Unstable uh, has been picked up for season two with Rob Lowe and J- his son, John Owen Lowe. I bet you that's tied to why uh, 911 Lone Star isn't coming back to fall. And Dead Boy Detectives is moving to Netflix from Max. Uh, Paramount Network has announced Yellowstone 5.2 will start filming in spring 24, and they're still working out their scheduling issues with Kevin Costner, but I guess we're going to see a little bit of him in the second half of the season. Uh, Paramount Plus has announced that SEAL Team will end with the upcoming season seven, and Stars has greenlit Spartacus House of Asher, starring Nick Tarabay from series creator Stephen S. Tonight. Wait a and minute, wait a minute. House of Asher. Didn't Asher die? And isn't Asher a jerk? And don't I hate Asher? Uh yes to all of those, but Stars is struggling for a hit. And we can go back in time and say this is Asher before. 
Yeah, or maybe, I, maybe. you're saying he was a nicer guy before he was the guy I wanted to see die. No, black. he was not a nice guy. He was an antagonist. Yes, I know. Why would I want to see a show about Asher? Hey, stars needs a hit. <laughs> of all the characters that we're going to go back in time with, I mean, Seriously. I love the actor though. The actor's fantastic. Yeah, Nick Carraway is cool, but but I'd rather I'd rather character. see some of the other characters. Like I want to. What about? Oh man, I have a list. I have a list yeah, of other char- of other characters I'd rather see. But anyway, all right, let's get started. Uh, first up, we're going to talk lessons in chemistry, episodes five and six, and the first one is actually the chemical name for vinegar, which you find out about mm-hmm. halfway through the episode. Um, and this episode was very much about right after her showrunner or whatever tells her, the show is yours. You can do anything you want. And then we find out he has a boss who mm-hmm. is like, no, you have to do what I say. It's my show. And they have a big fight about advertisement and what is right and what is wrong. And the then Crisco have, knockoff. Yeah, the Chris. Oh my God, that was. She was like, "Why would I ever tell my clients to use this? This will hearten their lung or their their arteries." It was so crazy, and and I I think this actually goes also to the point of her having slight like Aspergers, because she genuinely does not understand this guy. Like, I don't think brain, she has Aspergers. I just think she's very focused and lives in her head. I think that's part of. I said slight. But I think that's kind of part of the ask. Like she genuinely does not understand him, not just being focused, but he's like an alien to her. Um, and then you have the plot with the daughter trying to do her family tree and find her roots. So she's in doing her own little Nancy Drew investigation about her father and trying to find out who he is or well, she knows his name, but find out his history. And so she's doing all this the stuff behind the scenes uh, behind her mom's back because I can't tell if she thinks her mom would be upset that she's doing the investigation. I, or... well, yeah. Well, they talk about that because yeah. um, in episode six, when she finds out she's, you know, she, she says, I thought that not talking about him would be helpful, but it's not for you or for me. Right. Um, no, and, I just met the I daughters. Think, I, I met the daughters. I, I think the daughter the says something too. I think the daughter says like, "I didn't want to upset you, or I didn't want you don't want to talk about it, or you don't like." I I feel like the daughter said something. She's very self aware and really and outwardly aware. Yeah. So the, the I think she knows. Smart. Not only is she super smart, she's very well cast. I I very much like her. I think. Who is thinking the same thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was don't thinking, you usually hate kid actors too? Yes, I'm the one. Well, Allison as well. Um, shout out to Allison. I uh, we have an issue. It's not that I don't like kid actors or actors. You know, I mean, we have to have kids in shows when you know we have kids. I just find that they're very oftentimes miscast or or they're poorly written. Um, or oh, they're just you know, plain bad. Yeah, yes. they're just plain yeah. bad. Let's, I'm sorry to say it, right? But um, uh, she is wonderful. I love this uh, actress. Uh, she uh, is beautifully cast, uh, and she d- does a great job. She's not an, at all cloying, um, and she's really well written, even for like a smarty pants. You know, that's a trope: a smarty pants child who's well, you know, wise beyond her years, and and really well behaved, and you know, there's a trope there. Um, for sure. Um, but I find her endearing and I find her incredibly likable and very um, sympathetic. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel very much for her in her role, uh, you know, as, as written. Um, and I think the actress is great. I think she's yeah. fantastic. So yeah. and it's a huge part of the show. The second half, the first first half of the season of the first two, three episodes obviously was about the romance. Um, and now it's about the mother daughter, not, I'm not saying the show is only about, but it's very much, she's featured in a lot of, a lot of the scenes and the plot about her. Yeah, she has her own storyline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she has her own storyline. So the plot, you know, half of it revolves around her discovering her father and even the way in which she kind of wants to find out about her father or doesn't just accept it. Uh, very believable, you know, uh, and very much. Focused well, and, and I like the ahead. whole, like I said, I like the whole Nancy Drew of it. Like, yes, she, 
she's like, okay, what do I need to do to do this research? And then she gets her friends to like break in and steal files for her and stuff like that. <laughs> like all of it feels very like junior detective work. Um, and I, I think it's adorable. I, th I think all of it's really adorable and it all makes sense and it's logical and she doesn't feel like a brat. Yeah. Um, and then the going back to the work situation, talking about brats, the uh, Rain Wilson character just the station manager or whatever his job is oh my god like he's just such a tool and it's like he genuinely doesn't if it's if it's not for a male audience that he would understand he has no interest you know which is you you would think that somebody in that time period would realize the women watching the show are the ones who should be catered they're the target audience yeah they're the ones well they didn't know that projects. yet they definitely learned that as a as a you know as an industry they learned that that's you know who they need to go for but i think we're what we're seeing historically is accurate was that it was because i'm watching um julia right now and they it, it's about television show the tell the dawn of television and it's the exact same thing they're catering to the men so when you know, when television was in its infancy, and I don't mean just in the first year or two, but, you know, in the beginning, for the first few years, like everything, everything was catered towards men. So, I mean, it's believable. It doesn't seem like just a, a plot point for me. Well, I just, uh, but the thing that seems weird, why would you cater a show about cooking to men? To men. Doesn't yeah. matter. All TV. Uh, the Julia Childs was, uh, didn't, couldn't even, they couldn't even get her a TV show. I mean, they couldn't even, they didn't support the cooking show. Because they thought the same thing. Men aren't going to watch it or she's not attractive enough. No, or but, she, I, you know, no, blah, no, blah, but blah. I, I get that. But I mean saying they literally put separate six on and you're assuming, I mean, they put the show on trying to get ratings, but assuming that men were watching it. That's the thing yeah. that I found odd. Yeah. But anyway, I love that her tagline becomes children set the table. Your mother needs a moment for herself. So, yeah. Instead yes. of, you know, I'm going to make my husband a drink now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it was great. Um, it's great. I'm really enjoying the the season. The um, gotta give a shout out to Ajahn Naomi King, who plays the neighbor Harriet Sloan. Yes, who's, yes. Uh, wonderful. The, the whole subplot dealing with what's going on, civil rights era, and the fact that Calvin flaked on her, and uh, basically uh, uh, Harriet does not give Elizabeth the chance to flake on her. She basically kind of guilts her into you have a position you have a platform you should take a stand using it, right and she does and when the when the manager gets in her face and tries to say you know she basically has all the math figured out and saying if you take me off this is how much advertising money you're going to be losing so we're going to be doing it my way oh yeah he tries to guilt her by putting everybody on on pause for like three days so that the, the crew then hates her and stuff trying to play but then she she realizes for the next yeah. time she's going to pay out of the, her own pocket yeah i get that but i mean that feels because we're just coming out of a strike too that feels very much like what the studios tried to do with all and the what unions. some of the what some of the nighttime hosts also did is paid their crew out of their right. pocket, right? Um, but anyway, we need to move on. We need to move on. We have a lot of shows to talk about, so we got to keep going. But I'm gonna say definitely thumbs up. I think oh, we yeah. are all enjoying. It's a show. lovely show, and right. it, it and it it watches very beautifully. And Brie Larson is terrific in it. All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're gonna talk Bass Reeves. And this is a show, it's a, based on a true story of a U.S. Marshal named Bass Reeves who lived in the 1850s, as a, 1850s, 1860s, all the way up to the early, he, he had a really long career. Um, I happen to know this because there were some tense moments that were happening in the show, and I was like, I can't deal with this, and I went and looked him up on Wikipedia just <laughs> so that I could not have to deal with the tension, because people kept dying in the pilot, like... Mm -hmm. they, they were like oh look at this little cute boy and he's raising him as his son and it's adorable and now he's shot in the chest and i was like holy crap um and after that moment then the next time something tense happened to somebody that he cared about i immediately went to wikipedia and i was like i need to know i can't i can't deal with this tension <laughs> so i started looking up characters to see when they died and stuff like that i know it's cheating but it's real life so is it cheating so that 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 was my uh it's not uh, cheating it's history. Exactly, exactly. So uh this project by the way was uh 
was in the works since 2015 by David Oyelowo. That's what I said. Exactly. I said the same thing. He's been working on this since 2015. He finally, he said that nobody would take it for the longest time because no, they were like, Westerns are dead. Nobody's doing Westerns. And, <laughs> and then Yellowstone like became this huge hit. And then Paramount was like, oh, we're doing Westerns. And so then by putting David Sheridan's name on it, even though Taylor he's, Taylor. Say, whatever his David. name is, I, I just like that name. I'm messing up names. Ignore me um that's how it got greenlit he got to pick his own showrunner he picked everybody to do this this is is they almost they almost were going to call it 1883 colon bass reeves oh no but the decision was made let's call it the anthology series lawman and then every season it'll be focused on a different person oh okay okay that's 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 not bad but yeah that's that would have sucked uh, that would have put it in the Yellowstone universe, and then it would have seemed fake. It would have seemed like not based on a real story. So uh, I really, I really, really like uh, this show, and the story is very compelling. And there's a scene in the first episode where they're playing, where um, I forgot the actor's name, but he basically is like, "We're going to play poker for your freedom." And my oh. whole thing is like, dude, he didn't ask to play poker. This wasn't the actor even a- is Shay Wiggum. Thank you. And he was, I was like, why did you even, this dude created this conflict. Like he wasn't even thinking about trying to escape nothing. And so this dude brings up, Hey, let's play poker for your freedom. If you win, you get to go free. And then he cheats at poker. Like, come on, come on. It was purposely done to, it was structured to be torture. I mean, oh, he I, just wanted I, oh, to poker. I, I realized that. And so he deserved the beatdown. is my point. Awesome. <laughs> yes. It was it was so believable and it wasn't uh, you know I it was so tension filled and I like the moments that for me the show really shines in the tension moments. There's so many oh yeah of those moments, you know what I mean? And in a good western you want that, you know, cuz at the, at its core westerns are just you know sh- shoot shoot downs or shoot ups or or what are they called? Showdowns, you know what I mean? Um they're they're one showdown gun after fights. another. There you go. What? She's he's gun, gun fights. fights. No, no, not gunfights, but showdowns. Like, you know, high noon, like, you know, in the in the middle of the town kind of a thing. I'm That's speaking metaphorically. Gu- oh, okay. Because I was like, that is literally a gunfight, but go ahead. No, I'm speaking metaphorically as a showdown, like tension between one or two people. Like, do you know what I mean? Whether it's like at a saloon, whether it's over a poker table, whether it's, you know, this but, and this. I'm talking about the essence of Western. You know, I know that, but they, those usually end in gunfights. Like every scenario yeah. you're describing. Well, no, I gun. brought it up because of the poker, because right. it's a non-gunfight showdown. But it so also ended up with a beatdown, which I also appreciated. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, but that's what I'm saying: is the show is living up to the spirit in a in a wonderful way. That that poker match, to me, that poker game was a, another way of showing me a showdown in that absolutely felt like it was a you know like a gunfight draw right, you know right. you know marked in the middle of the town uh and that's what the show does really well for me overall i like the show i don't love the show but i feel like i could and will um there were just some moments where i felt like um i don't know how to describe it it wasn't that it was slow it just it, it like in the moments that w- didn't have that tension, the the sort of drama, I was less drawn in, but I can't put my finger on it. It, it was a while since I've watched the show. So um, I, I very much like the show. I think David is fantastic as the lead. I believe him. I think he's very believable. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm very uh, invested in his character and I did the same thing. I actually would give eat also not so much because I was, I couldn't deal with the tension, but I was fascinated already about his character. And because I knew that it was based on a true story, I thought, I I don't think I can wait, you know, six, eight episodes to find out about this man's life. Um, So the show has definitely made me uh, interested in his story. Uh, But I think, you know, the stuff with his uh, family was a little bit less uh compelling I, to me I, I think every time we go back to see his wife be pregnant on the farm 
yes. and feed chickens. I'm like, yes. what do we do? And and so I, every time that happens, I keep thinking something's going to happen and someone's going to kill her. Yes. Right. But yes. no, she just we, we need to see her feed some chickens. And I'm like, yeah, I don't what? So Thank I'm kind of. And so that throws me off. You're making uh, my point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm not disagreeing. I, yeah. I don't I, I feel like they're trying to give the wife a storyline, but they don't have one to give her. Yeah. So yeah. we're just spent, and it doesn't make sense. I'm like, why? Why are we doing this? But it's not a lot of time. It's maybe five minutes out of a 50 minute episode. But it does feel strange when we cut away from action mm. to watch her feed chickens. But I did like when we first come back to her after he get after the epic beatdown, and yes, he's for a while. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That he was thinks she's, He thinks she's moved on, and she has it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that that was great because it's still centered around him. It's still about right. his journey, so it works. But it's like once he goes off and is and in the second episode, I think he's doing the posse stuff, and he's yeah. off. And there's the them trying to do the bounty, and it's super tense and it's really westerny. And then we cut back to her buying a piano, and I was like, I don't understand what's this got to do. And and it had nothing to do with anything. It had to do. She decided to spend money that they didn't have yet to buy a piano. Yeah, if it focused on the a woman's challenge being, you know, how challenging it is to be the mother left behind, you know, to kind of be, you know, the father and the mother when the when the father goes off to do his job, you know, and how tough it is in the Western world and this and that and that, you know what I mean? Like if that gave me that sort of, you know, balance, then then and and give me tension on her end, then I would understand yeah. why they're doing it. You know, yeah, what I, mean? I don't and get it yet. Well, well-rounded. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it yet, but we'll see. Let's move on. Um, but overall, thumbs up for me for Bass Reeves. Sure. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the last episode of Loki, um, which I have to say this season Loki was overall, I liked it. Uh, I liked the transition for his characters to see him become this guy who just really cared about his friends. And he spent I think it was like a century doing loops, trying to solve this problem. And it looked like he couldn't get out of the problem. And then he had this great conversation with the, he who remains where we know they basically freeze time and they have this, this really deep discussion. And he goes, Oh, you thought this was the first time I came to talk to you. It wasn't, which I thought was great. I was like, Oh, he has one up. And so all of that was really, really good. And then we get to the end, and I'm kind of, I don't know how I feel about the last moments where he basically goes from being the god of mischief to the god of time and and reality or something. I'm like, and then they made him a tree. Like, uh, I, I've seen some reviews that really like it and, and stress how much his character has changed, and so this is the best character change we've ever seen in the mcu because it was slow it took what 10 15 years to get to this point and he went from a true villain to kind of a hero like i get it like on paper but when we get to the end i didn't feel it uh tom you go first i see your face making i see you making faces yeah i thought the season premiere was terrific and then the rest of the season i think the perfect metaphor is an Ouroboros, a uh, serpent eating its tail. It's okay. just so many needless convolutions, so many things that didn't pay off. Victor Timely. Um, yeah. And when we get to the end, he ends up having to keep, you know, he's the glue holding everything together. I'm like, eh, nah. I know. That's pretty much how I felt. I felt like every, I, I liked the season a lot better than you. I, I liked everything about it for the most part. And I liked the finale all the way up until that moment because I thought he I actually I thought he was going to sacrifice himself and die to save the universe I thought that's where they were going and it would have been sad and it would have but it would have fit it would have still fit the whole redemption arc that he was going on and and all of that would have worked but I like how does he have the power to hold the universe together his power is literally illusion so I don't understand how his power of illusion translates into holding the universe together like how does he so so everyone's living an illusion now like i don't get it and i get their point is he always wanted a throne and now his throne is that he's isolated alone 
and he's sacrificing his happiness for everybody else. Like I get the concept of it, but I, and I can't even say it's not earned because they spent a lot of time showing him on this slow march to become a better person. They, they earned that. They earned his redemption arc. Absolutely. I just don't feel like where he ended up should have been his last stop. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Yusin, your thoughts. I, I think I'm in between you and Tom. Um, I uh, liked it, I think, a little more than Tom and maybe a little less than you. Um, I, I also thought the season started out strong. I believe that they earned um, his redemption. Uh, it was slow going, though. The Victor Timely thing turned out to be a waste of time for no pun intended or pun intended. Um, uh, for everyone, including them, uh, he didn't end up doing anything for them. So uh, uh, as far as the, you know, the the loop, time loop, we've seen that a hundred times. Uh, but I thought they did a good job with it. It wasn't laborious to sit through. Um, it, you know, we understood what he was doing and why he was doing it. Uh, and it was fine. You know, it, it gave us the message of what was happening. Uh, and I didn't have to sit boringly through, you know, um, different permutations, so many permutations. Um, so that was fine, too. And I think I agree with you that it doesn't it just doesn't make sense in terms of how he ends up being able to be like the tree of life. You know what I mean? He becomes the tree of life. I think there's that, a metaphor there. You know, I mean, he's literally a tree. Um, and I get the time, the branches and this, and I just feel like it was a little bit forced. I feel like it was like forced poetry. They wanted it to be poignant and they wanted it to be super meaningful. Um, and then they just decided, oh, well, we'll just make him hold up time now. He's become time somehow incarnate. Uh, and I don't know how that happens. So I, it felt a little, uh, unsatisfying because it, that aspect of it didn't make sense. They just decided he's able to be able to do it so I thought okay if that's what you're saying I guess I have to accept it so uh it's over Loki the Loki story is over it was a good journey you know and like I said watching someone go through the their story and be redeemed that's you know there's something entertaining about that and good about that and I enjoy very much him as Loki you know what I mean uh, over the years I've grown to really like him more and more when he first came on I just just into the MCU I disliked him both him and his character so he won me over both as the actor and as the you know in terms of the narrative so I enjoyed it the ride is over and that's kind of pretty much done it's not super wholly satisfying but it wasn't a complete waste of time or investment for <laughs> I don't know 15 years <laughs> so wow that's how I okay that is that is like sort of faint praise but okay yes all right, let's move on. Um, next up, we're going to talk Invincible. And this is season two starring Steven Yeun and J.K. Simmons and Sandra Oh as the voice actors. Um, it pretty much takes place like a summer after last season. So if you don't remember last season, the dad, J.K. Simmons' character, Omni-Man, has gone evil and has revealed himself to be an evil alien with a literal plot to take over the Earth. But then he he leaves because he realizes in order to do that, he has to kill his son. And so he chooses not to kill his son and leave. So now we jump forward several months later. He's all healed. The son is all healed, invincible. But he's got this specter of his father over him. And he wonders, is he destined to become his dad? Will people trust him because of his dad? And he's got all of this wait and then the mom has this like betrayal thing going and so it's a lot it's a lot of emotional baggage to start a second season with um i did like the open i, I liked where they were going i don't know if i like the fact well i'm sure he's gonna eventually figure out that that's not the way but at the towards the end of the first episode he basically promises the head of whatever government agency that controls the superheroes that he'll follow orders he's and toe the line. Yeah, he's like, I'll toe the line, I'll do everything you tell me to do. I'll be a perfect soldier because he's trying to prove that he's not his dad. But I think that's a terrible way to prove that, just to be an obedient 
soldier, that doesn't make sense. But he hasn't figured that out yet. And I figure this season is that journey of him realizing that he can't just follow orders and that makes him a better person. Um, so, so far, so good. I'm enjoying the season. Tom, you not so much? Yeah, I was on the fence about continuing and I'm probably off in the I'm done. I just didn't think there was much going on in the pilot and we introduced a new villain just so we can contrive to get him beat up again. And when they beat him up, they don't just beat him up a little, they beat him up like blues, bloody, you know, blood dripping from You just don't you don't have you don't like a lot of violence in your cartoon. I'm I'm not a fan of I've never I've never made bones. I'm not a fan of R-rated superhero content period uh so you know I, that was sterling k brown is the new i guess big bad who can open up portals to other dimensions yada well, yada what i thought was interesting is he wasn't a big bad at the beginning like his purpose of what he really wanted to do was not a bad idea but his experiment goes wrong and in the course of him trying to make sure nobody gets killed with his experiment he basically turns himself into a monster which I thought was, that was kind of interesting. I thought that was cool. And blames Invincible. That was a trope I didn't need. Cause... Well, yes. It, I just said he turned himself into a villain. <laughs> but he, <laughs> but, but was... he blames Invincible. But that's because he turned him. He melded all these people's minds into his own. And some of those people that he melded, Invincible was 100% a villain in their universe. So it makes sense. So I, I feel like that works from a logical standpoint. Um, but even in the second episode, so we don't even see him in the second episode, or maybe we see him for like five seconds in the second episode, but um, it's not just about the villain. It's it's other stuff that's going on with the character. And we spend a lot of time with Sandra O's character because she's going through, it's not like her husband died and she's a widow. Stuff. It's, it's like her husband she finds out that her husband thought of her as a pet. And that is kind of devastating. So her journey is also, they're giving her a lot more screen time than they did in season one, which I thought was weird. I was like, man, you guys have Sandra Oh, and she's like barely there doing five lines. So this season, they're giving her a lot more to do. So, and she actually, like we actually see her at work and all this other stuff. So I, I think it's kind of good. Um, so I'm still in, we may not talk about it anymore, but I'm still enjoying it and I'm still watching it. All right, let's move on. Um, next up, we're going to talk Beacon 23, which is a new show that's on MGM plus it's hardcore sci-fi, which there aren't that many hardcore sci-fi shows. Like we're literally in space in the future on a space station, which is technically a beacon. It's called Beacon 23. It's not a very big space station. It's only supposed to be manned by like a couple of people. And what I really like about this show is one, it's starring Lena Hetty, and I forgot the black guy's name. Steven something, I think. Yeah, I don't remember his name. I've seen him in a lot of things, but I couldn't tell you what they were. But he's really good in this. And what I love, because I didn't see any trailers, I went into the show cold and I was like, wait, which one of them is the star of this? Because we start with him. And so we sympathize with him at first. And then Lena Headey's like frozen and they wake her up. And you don't know for 90% of the pilot which one of them is the good guy and which one of them is the bad guy. And I really like that because it keeps flipping. Because he's lying and she's lying and then... They're betraying each other, and then I was like, wait, whose side am I supposed to be on? And I think that that did a, it did a really good job with the pilot. It was a good pilot. Uh, Yusin, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, that is what I liked about the pilot best. I don't think that station is that small. It had all those floors and, you know, and that, like, spiral staircase in the middle, and they, and then they were going to, like, the 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 junk area and then the back door area and the the place where yeah, the rocks but I mean, were but, it, but it wasn't like babylon 5 big like no it's... no okay fair no fair but it, it didn't i i bring it up for a reason not just to be contrary contrary but uh but because it didn't have it didn't work with claustrophobia so it wasn't right. one of those sci-fi shows where like you know they're stuck 
and it's so small and it's so claustrophobic. Um, you know, as far as the pure sci-fi factor of it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of The Expanse. I mean, just yeah. in that, you know, it looked a little like The Expanse. It kind of gave me energy like The Expanse. It just was, we are sci-fi and this is just what you're getting. Um, right. And I was, you know, and I love it. I'm fine with that. So I was excited about it. Um, and the thing that I liked most about it, two things was, yes, absolutely. The tension, uh, dramatic in terms of dramatic, uh, was we didn't know who we were rooting for. We didn't know who was telling us the truth. Um, and even now, they're kind of still unfolding the mystery. We, we watched two episodes. I'm assuming we're going to, we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're allowed yeah, yeah. to talk about both. Yeah, yeah, talk so, about the second one. So, so even, so even though, uh, you know, even into the second episode, they're sort of still betraying each other and then sort of not betraying each other and then working together kind of, but we're not sure, is it just because it's mutually beneficial? It's because it actually just benefits themselves? Like, well, so I, all of that. I think that the the guy, I think he's more trustworthy than Lena Headey's character because I've come to the conclusion now that she's kind of just a thief. Right. And uh, she's been lying about everything because every story that she's told him about her personally is a lie. Right. Like, and so I'm like, so we really don't know anything about her at all. Right. And even when she's on the second episode, she's talking to that senator and giving her a story so that they can sympathize. We know for a fact she's lying about that story because she looked up the woman's history and found out that there's like nothing like this has happened to her other than what's on this planet. So when she meets right. the woman, she's like, oh, I'm from this planet, which is has a very similar background. And so she's basically a chameleon. Yes. And uh, so I trust Lena Headey less. Yes, she. but that's what makes the show great because there is still stuff about her that's very sympathetic. She helped him with his PTSD. That's you know, true. she, you know what I mean? Like she, I don't, I think there's, I, I think there's doing a good job of keeping her still, you know, she might be a con woman, but with a heart of gold. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> a thief with you, a heart of gold. There we go. You know what I mean? So I don't know about that. The other thing though if, that I want to mention about is the science. You know, um, as far as sci-fi is concerned, I'm loving it. Like, I, I you know, I, I like the set design. Um, I like the world building that they've done. Uh, you know, the, the beacon, they are lighthouses essentially for dark matter. Um, you know, and uh, the AI. I need to mention oh, the, AI. the AI. And I, I like the dueling AIs. Yeah. Yes. Okay, you know, yeah, the, the, I love that her personal AI, you know, manifests visually and that it really is truly there just to help her. You know, we, we're all talking about the onset of AI in our reality, in, our, in IRL, in real life, uh, and how scary that could be. And I really like how they've manifested um, the, the AI, you know, for us in the future uh, and how she's even schooling the other AI, you know, when they when that AI is all, you know, he's a murderer, he's a villain, he's, you know, kind of lost it, the, the other AI. Um, and so we can see how she's trying to keep him in check. And I find that very refreshing. I don't think I've ever seen uh, a situation where AIs are kind of have their own personalities, and yet they're still beholden, you know, by the rules of AI. This isn't uh, that, uh, you know, that trope of like, are AIs human and do they have souls? And no, but they have enough personality that they can bicker with one another, you know, and that they can kind of fight each other, uh, you know, in terms of how they should behave and how they should act and stuff. So, so I love that. I think that that's very refreshing and new. Um, my issue is with the show is I very much like the pilot and how they set everything up and how the mystery is kind of of who they are. Now, as far as the second episode, we're dealing with raiders, you know, and it's them against the raiders. And to me, it becomes a bit more traditional, which isn't a terrible thing, but it to me, it, it's less interesting. It's just us against them, you know, and, and but, what, the but, what fighting. It, but what it does, though, is is it forces them to actually work together when they were at odds, when they were at yeah. odds before, and it forces them to have an alliance against these invaders. Yeah, which isn't, which is a trope. So, it, you know, no, to me, but not, but it, I'm not saying it's not, but it makes, the, it made, made it really interesting though. So to me, it didn't because I just expected them to like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of like, well, this is the larger threat. Let's work together. And she already showed him sympathy and or empathy, 
you know, uh, and didn't kill him. Like when the AI was just like, let's just, you know, you know, take out life support and he'll die. And you know what I mean? So like for me already, the show is doing a good job of keeping her sympathetic to me. So I didn't, it didn't surprise me that they would work together and I wanted them to work together and they did work together. So that wasn't the issue for me, the I, issue I didn't is say it was surprising. I said it was good that there's a difference. Right. But. Well, I'm saying it. I didn't find it particularly good because I found it not particularly interesting in terms of uh, it wasn't a surprise. And 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 I've said to you before, uh, if you can't surprise me, then, uh, you know, in terms of something, then do it better. And to me, it was just, you know, to what, two what people. I thought. What I thought was really interesting, though, was how it all ends where because he kept saying I need to avoid these uh soldiers or the, the the military i gotta get out of here i'll leave yes. hang out on this little ship I, what i really liked at the end was him realizing because of his ptsd that he can't be alone yes and yes I thought again that was really compelling yes again it's about their relationship so that's what i mean like when when the show sticks with their relationship right the push and pull of who they are going to be to each other, who they are to each other now, who they're going to grow to be with each other. I find that very interesting. Um, but as far as like the other stuff, uh, you know, I don't know how every episode, you know, is going to be a new challenge that they're on a beacon. So like, you know, is it going to be, you know, uh, you know, disaster of the week or monster of the week or yeah, I have no idea. So I'm not saying that I know, but, but um, for me, the show, the tension, you know, with this, with the, the younger, the son who actually, you know, commits matricide, kills his mom and kind of sort of doesn't seem that to feel was, all that, that guilty about that it. That was boring. But that all, all of that was boring. I didn't care. Well, you know also, what I mean? and I realized I was looking at that actor and I was like, why have I seen it before? Where have I seen him before? He's the son on Orphan Black Echoes. And I was like, oh, and I don't like him on that show either. Me neither. So I was like, <laughs> oh, he's just not a good actor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so for me, well, the we, second we, we episode did... was weaker. Okay. Well, let's wrap that up. I, I mean, yes, I think the pilot is stronger than the second episode, but that happens on shows. That's not a big deal. So the question is really, how does it go forward? All right. Correct. Let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about episodes five and six of The Fall of the House of Usher. And for me, these were the weaker episodes of the show or wait no this is the one with the cat right no five is five not the cat no, no it's five. It, was, it was telltale heart and Goldbug. okay so telltale heart was okay Goldbug i thought was stupid so still not my favorite episodes um because basically we're in the episodes of how do his, how do his children die some of his children die in interesting ways, and some of them don't. And uh, the most interesting thing about Telltale Heart was I like the actress playing the doctor. I think she's interesting, but her going her uh, spiral into insanity was not as interesting. And um, because I mean, we've she seen pretty more morally compromised from the start. So exactly. How do exactly. you spiral when you're already kind of eating? You're already kind of. No, but I mean, she she kind of goes insane. That's what I meant. Yeah. But but I just felt like we've already seen all the other kids do the same thing. So at this point, I'm just like, hurry it up! Like, how's she gonna like? How's her actual death gonna be? Let's move. And so I felt I felt that in the last two episodes, I just I didn't care as much. I I I really wanted to see the scenes where we're in the present, where the two you know where the dad is having the conversation in the old house. That's interesting, but the actual flashbacks of of how the children are going to die is, is super snoozeworthy for me. So, your thoughts, Tom? Yeah, they were they were okay. Nothing special. <laughs> I but, think the show the ends well, is, but these episodes they, they, are not. They've great. made most of the kids so unlikable. Correct. That we're like, who? Ca nobody cares. You're terrible. Yes. Fine. Yes, exactly. Let me push you out exactly. that window. <laughs> That's the thing is we, we're at the children now who are terrible people, though I actually think that the gold bug lady is more terrible than except that the heart person is literally willing to kill other people to make her experiment mm -hmm. work. So that actually makes her more terrible. But I just really didn't like the Goldberg chick. I really no, didn't like her. Just, she was, eh. I mean, I actually liked her meathead husband better. Well, 
yeah, because he's actually a person. So, yeah, these episodes were not the best. So that's why I was I was ready to rush to the end of the show because it ends well. I, just so you don't oh, yeah. stop, the last episode is phenomenal. Well, it basically tells you, it, it fills in all the blanks from the flashbacks. Correct, correct. All right, so we'll talk about the end next time, but I, I really don't have anything good to say about these two episodes. Um, next up, we're going to talk Orphan Black uh, Echoes, which is a... A spinoff, not even a spinoff. It's a continuation. It's a continuation of I think sequel like series. it's a sequel. It's like fifty years after Orphan Black, or it's not even fifty, maybe forty years, because it's the year twenty fifty. Decades. <laughs> yes, it's decades later, and instead of clones, we now have a three D printer or print of people. Um, so it's the same idea. Idea, but slightly different concept because instead of having your one actor playing 50 different people, you have the same person being printed at different ages. So that's kind of how they do it this time to make it different. And it is, it is, I have to say, it is interesting to yeah. see her as a, an adult, as a teenager, and as an older woman. You get three different spots of the same person. What's really what's really crazy is they're actually 3D printing organs. Oh no, yes. I know. That's what like this is, is like this this so, makes sense. Yeah. I, I feel like this is exactly where our future is going. And unless we put safeguards on, people will be printing new bodies for themselves, like a hundred percent. If they I think can that's figure why they're developing the technology, because some people are obsessed with living forever. Well, you still got that. A pesky thing of how do you transfer your consciousness? Like, if you it's saw, pretty pesky. The, um, it's pretty pesky. The, yeah, that's that's what the transhumanists are trying to do. Well, anyway, I I think that uh, this show shows the dangers of it, and um, I think it's done in a really good way. And they had a cool little uh, cliffhanger at the end of the first episode where the scientists we've been watching the whole episode they finally say her name. And you realize that it is Sarah, what is her last name? Miller, Milling, something. Manning? Manning, there you go. Sarah Manning was the main character in Orphan Black. And you find out this woman's name is Kira Manning and that she was the little girl that we've been watching the whole time on Orphan Black. And now she's like 60. Or four fifty. He's not that old. I'm I was backing. Saying, I was backing I up. Like she's supposed 40, to be like forty-something, maybe, maybe 40 early fifties. I did like Felix's guest star guest yes. appearance in episode two. Yes, Felix is except his it brought old some man. welcome manic energy. True, but what's with his new accent? Because he didn't talk that way before. So yeah, I find that hilarious. I thought that, too. I thought that was weird. He's he's much more posh. He's 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 put on a. Oh, but it Felix, feels, Felix but was it feels, always the type who would be fronting. He's probably reinvented himself. Exactly, and, and that's <laughs> why I felt like I was like, oh yeah, I'll, okay, I buy it for Felix because he's the kind of guy that whatever's the new hip thing, then that's he would what he's, he would he's doing because he didn't talk like this before. So I, was I like, did have an issue though with the makeup because I did not think that he, he was looked old enough. No, it looked weird. It looked like a little bit like a Halloween costume. Yeah, they gave him like gray hair and a gray beard, but they didn't give him any lines on his face. No, yeah, yeah. So they like half unless did he's it. had Botox up the wazoo, <laughs> <laughs> which I would believe also. But still, it just it was a little. It took me out of it a little bit. I'm going to be honest. I yeah. was a little like, who is this? Wait, what? Oh, okay. And then the weird accent and the. So I didn't actually love that. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree. I, I'm not going to disagree. But it was still welcome to see Felix. The character. Really, yeah, the character. It was still welcome to see him and to realize that Kira was there. And then I was like, okay, if this is Kira, why would she ever do this? She lived this. And yeah. I like that that's actually a, a thing that they bring up. That they're like, really? How You, you know, like, this was your life. You know, so... Um, but of course the real thing is you're piecing together the mystery that is, uh, uh, what is Kristen Ritter's character's name? I can't, I don't remember the character, but 
it's basically her trying to figure out, she has no memory. She wakes up in this room and she doesn't know who she is. She names herself Lucy and makes her own life. And then all of a sudden she's got these government agent guys chasing her down. And she runs into a teenage version of herself like, what the heck is going on? And I like, on one hand, I like that it makes them look smart, especially the teenage girl once she starts putting stuff together. But on the other hand, it still makes them feel stupid, too. I'm like, why would you do that? So it's kind of, it's good. I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it, and I like how they're drawing parallels between the two characters, and they're making it believable that they're different versions of the same person and they're inner i think on the second episode did they start giving us flashbacks tom or am i misremembering i believe so okay so i like the flashbacks so that we start to see what her life was like before she got printed and i and all of that them trying to like figure out who they are is the basically the fundamental center of the show so i'm in I actually did what I yell at Allison about, and I binged a lot, so I'm way ahead of you guys. <laughs> and I'm trying to be good, though, because I yell at her all the time. So, just the first two episodes. Uh, any other comment before we move on? Because for me, it's a thumbs up. Does it? Yeah, it's a thumbs up for me. I, I just, you know, and granted, I was tired because it was a full, full day. But I thought episode two seemed to be a little little bit of a slog compared to episode one. Is that my imagination or my fatigue? It might be a little bit of fatigue, but I mean, obviously the pilot is trying to set everything up. So they're all, they're moving, the pacing is much faster. And you, now we've slowed down a little, but once you, have you met the third print? Or did I give you a spoiler? I did not meet the third print, but I, 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 okay. I don't mind. So that's, <laughs> I mean, they dropped all the episodes at once, and that you, I, when they do that, I'm wondering: is this a strategy, or is this because you don't think people will come back week after week? I I watched eight episodes in one sitting, so oh jeez, uh, I liked it a lot, um, and I think it didn't feel like a slog to me. Uh, and there's definitely story. The only thing do any do any other legacy characters come back? Do you really want to know? No. Now, no, now I don't. <laughs> now I don't. <laughs> All right. No, Let's move on and no spoilers. We're going to move nah, on. Nah, 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 nah. Uh, next up, we're going to talk uh, Gen V. Uh, and this is the last two episodes. And I don't even remember. It's been so long since that show ended. Like weeks and weeks and weeks ago, uh, the one they thing... freed the woods and all havoc re and all yes, and all thank havoc you. Weapons. That is basically the premise of the last episode or so, and I don't know. Like considering what Homelander's been like, their first reaction was, "We're in trouble. We're 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 stuck in here. So let's call Homelander to rescue us." I was like, seriously, why? That seems like a terrible idea. He just lasered somebody like at the end of last season of The Boys. I don't feel like he's a rescue. Even though I get her point, she's the head of Vought. So she thinks that he might be invested in saving her life. But it's like, have you met Homelander? Like, no. Yeah, that didn't make sense to me at all. Yeah, I, I would not have called him in an emergency. I don't know. Who, I mean, if you could get Starlight or any of the other ones, they might actually come and save you. Um, but, yeah, that end was super surprising. But I, I'm going to back up before I get to the end, which is, what's the blonde mind control girl? Does anybody remember her name? Uh, is it is, Lisa? I don't remember. But the thing about her character is because you don't trust her and she has that altercation with the head or the dean and the dean is trying to like be like give her sympathy but it's like she can read your mind you can't manipulate her um but then i wasn't sure if it worked so there was like a whole period where i'm watching the next episode where i don't know if i should believe what she's telling everybody like she shows them the dean dead but i was like did she put that in their head is that real like I had like 20 minutes where I wasn't sure what was real and what wasn't. 
No, uh, they, she killed the dean. Remember, she yeah, made the dean kill I, herself. I get you, but I'm saying because she can put whatever image she wants in your mind, I wasn't sure if that was real for a, a little while is my point. Got it. That I'm saying. So, I mean, obviously, by the time you get to the middle of the episode, I was like, okay, that was real. So, um, I just just genuinely didn't trust her. And then she, when she frees the woods and she's like, let's kill them all. I was like, whoa, she did a whole 180 on this. Like she's trying to prove something. Um, and only thing I didn't like was Muppet Crazy Boy. I don't remember his name either. Sam. Uh, thank you. That is correct. That is, yes, yeah, Sam. He wasn't let's murder everybody kind of camp, but they take him to one rally and all of a sudden he's like, yes, let's murder everyone. I was like, really? Like he's that easy to manipulate? So that felt a little false to me. Um, up until like the mind control chick literally touches him and changes his mind. I felt like they should have done that earlier. Like if, if she had done that at the top, then I would have believed everything he did later. So trying to have it, us convinced that he switched camps so on his own didn't work as well for me. So that's all. Uh, what are your thoughts, Houston? Um, I thought it was fine. You know, I enjoyed the series overall. Uh, I thought uh, my what rang false to me uh, with what you said uh, is that they would have called Homelander. I think that was just a plot device. You know what I mean? Like, it really did not make sense that, that would he would be the one that they would call. I mean, he's already morally questionable, um, and he already has done, you know, things that... He's already killed that, humans already, right? Yeah, he's already killed humans. So I don't see him being the one that they need to, to call. So I think, uh, I think that that was... It rang false is, for me. Only thing is, he's the most powerful person that could have stopped everyone. Right. I get... But my thing is, you don't know which way he's going to Correct. go, right? Correct. And why call just one? You have a team of seven. Like That's you could true. Call all you of have them. the seven. <laughs> you have, they're literally called seven. So call all of them or some of them. Like, it didn't make sense to me. So I didn't love the ending because I thought it was just forced and it was kind of, it rang false. It just, they were like, oh, well, this is how we have to get to the plot. This is how we have to get to the end of all of them stuck in a room you know, not well, having been and, killed. And I liked that the people that we see that we think are the heroes who have saved the day, Homelander looks at them as traitors, and then they flip the script, and now the public thinks the ones that were killing everybody are the heroes? That part, I was like, how did they spin that? Right. Um, that was crazy. And that's, and, and, and you know, but that was, that's part of the show. I mean, that's, that's literally what we've been getting all season long about how manip manipulative, you know, uh, the, the news is and, and, uh, and um, publicity and, you know, spinning it however they want. And, you know, uh, and that's pretty much the whole show, actually, the theme of the show about how superheroes really, the superheroes you think are superheroes aren't and vice versa. Um, so that all thematically makes sense. And, you know, it wasn't that big of a surprise to me. Uh, I loved at the very end. Did you watch to the very end when oh, yeah. uh, we have Keith Butcher. Urban showed up? Yeah, Butcher. Billy Butcher shows up and he finds out about the virus. Right. And the woods. He finds out about yes. all of that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool um, as an as an ending. Um, yeah. You know, I think as a whole, I enjoyed the series. Uh, you know, as a coming of age kind of, you know, superheroes, uh, you know, it's it's got the, you know, I thought that the last episode did not need to be as gory or as bloody as it was. But, <laughs> I was like, I mean, that's all the boys. <laughs> I was like, that's how the boys are. That's yeah. how it works. That's what yeah. that's, that's what the show is. So I really just kind of looked away. I really did. And I was like, oh, just moving, moving on, moving on, heads exploding, things, bodies, you know, you know, this or when when she chopped off her hand, you know what I mean? Like that wasn't, you know, uh, that Ugh. big of a surprise made it explode, whatever. So I enjoyed the season. I, I, I definitely did. I thought the acting all around was really solid with a standout of the lead uh, character. Um I, I don't remember the black woman's name, black girl's name, um, but she she I thought she was uh, outstanding uh, out of all of them. Uh, some of them less so, but uh, and I liked the dean. I thought the dean was was yeah, did a great I job. I think part of the reason why I didn't 
want to believe she was dead was because I liked her so much. Correct. So I was like, wait, this is fake. There, she's not really dead. And correct. Yeah, she really was. Yeah. So All and right. they they you know they made her sympathetic and you know the story and and the acting and stuff. So yeah, overall I enjoyed it. All right. Well, let's move on. Um, thumbs up for Gen V. So we we it's been renewed for season two. So that's really good. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters, and we're going to talk the first two, but Tom only saw the first one. Oh, right? I've seen both now. Okay, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, then, Tom, let's you lead us off. What did you think of, of the show? I love it. It's got an interesting structure, and kind of the, the, the gimmick is that Wyatt Russell and Kurt Russell play the same character, but decades apart. So he's a lieutenant, as Wyatt Russell when he's a young man in the 50 in in the 1950s and then when they're in 1915 it's Kurt Russell 2015 say what 2015 oh yes 2015 (laughs) it's uh Kurt Russell as retired lieutenant colonel either colonel or lieutenant colonel the same character uh basically it's set in the same it it's a continuation of the uh the latest series of Godzilla monster Godzilla Godzilla movies uh, that legendary pictures produced uh, with Warner Brothers, but um, no, it's 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 really kind of it's kind of a quest thing, and it's you've got two kind of pri- well, two prime two timelines. You've got in the present or the present ish, you've got a young uh, Japanese American woman who finds out that her dad had a second family in Japan. Or she was a second family. It depends on how you look at it. Because they were yeah, trying to figure out they it. were trying to figure out which one was older. That was really funny. But she discovers they they discover a secret compartment behind a, a picture which has uh, a monarch bag. Monarch is the shady the, the super secret governing organization that, that investigates Godzilla and the other Titans. And then in the past story, and we we jump around a couple of time periods in the in the 50s as well, but basically um we see when john goodman a very very uh thin almost unrecognizable john goodman is being chased by monsters and throws this bag with monarch markings over into the ocean and then that's picked up by a trawler and ends up in the uh the dad with two families safe but uh tamlin tamita and young uh wyatt russell and anders home are in the 50s investigating things and they don't trust each other. And we find out at the end of episode one, she ends up getting chomped by the monsters. But in episode two, we go back further in the past to when they first meet and start finding out about the existence of said monsters. But I'm I'm kind of interested. And in the present, um, basically the, the Japanese American woman, her half brother, and his ex-girlfriend, who is totally like, dude, seriously, you're calling me? Uh, <laughs> but they basically find themselves being chased by Monarch because when they opened up computer files, Monarch got a ping. And so they're being pursued. I'm in. I want to see, because the people know that Godzilla exists. And it's interesting seeing Tokyo with these warnings about, you know, Godzilla evacuation route. <laughs> but yeah, it's, and I'm not even... I was not a really big Godzilla fan until this new wave of movies, but because the effects are good and the characterizations, they have A-list actors in most of the movies. So it's interesting for me. It's Yeah. I, and I, I like, I like the fact that this show is more about the characters because in mm-hmm. the movies, you're basically dealing with humans in between big Titan fights. Like you're really there for the Titan fights and yep. the humans are just boring background. This is the opposite. <laughs> This is very much like we have family and character drama and the Titans are in the background. They're there. They're very present because, like you said, we're living in a world where Godzilla exists and everybody knows Godzilla exists. But these people are trying to understand the legacy of their family. They're trying to understand where they came from, who their grandmother was, what does this all mean? And they're based, like you said, they're on a quest. They're they're looking up information. They really want to know how much of a liar their father was, and why did he lie? And, and is he still alive? And is he still alive? Yeah. So that's. I really think he's still alive. Of course he's still alive. <laughs> it's like it's like you. We've never seen these TV shows before. Of course he's still alive. 
Um, I think it's funny that they have to age up Kurt Russell to play his son's character in 2015 because you start doing the math, it's like, oh, he'd be like in his eight. Kurt Russell's not really in his 80s. He's right. And he well, said something. I think he gave some sort of lip service to like how good he looked or how fit he was or something. Yeah, he said something about radiation being around the Titans or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he absolutely said something, and I laughed at that, and I thought, oh, they 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 caught themselves, and they are calling themselves out. <laughs> and that's what, because somebody was like, why don't they make it in now? I was like, because then Kurt Russell will be dead. So they mm-hmm. had to make it in 2015 so that he would still be alive. Yeah. Um, so that was that was all really good, and I liked their big escape from like the old folk home or whatever he was in. Because he was obviously being monitored. I want to know how he ended up in that facility anyway with a tracking anklet. Uh, so probably like on the 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 sixties series, the 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 prisoner. They probably yeah. whisked him off and say, "Hey, welcome to your new home." <laughs> yeah, something like that. But I mean, what happened that made him get relegated there? That's all. I just want to. I'm curious to find out because John Goodman's character is still off and about you know, on an island investigating, throwing stuff in the ocean. Because he was part of that. He's the aged-up version of the other guy. So he's still about – he's not in an old folks' home. So how is – why is Kurt Russell, in the old, you know, being relegated to this? What did he do is my question. Right. Um, well, I'm enjoying the show uh, I, I for all the reasons you said, Libya. So I don't need to go into it uh, besides uh, what you guys said except just ditto. All right. So we're going to keep watching this show. So uh, I think we're saying thumbs up. Oh, yeah. Sure. All right. If you guys have any questions or comments, give me the TV campfire, gmail.com, follow us on Facebook. You listen to us on sci-fi.radio, six, de- six Degrees of Geek, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.